Hey guys, it's Marsha Hoffines, and you are listening to the Storytellers Podcast, where we dig in, go deep, find ourselves, maybe cry, maybe laugh. We surrender, but we go home, and we go home big. We feel inspired. It's the story behind the cellophane. It's the story inside the truth. It's a story that most people don't want to tell, but we're here to share. Let's get started. Plus, then we get that out of the way. Nice. <laughs> I, I talk about it every single time and I need to stop. I'm like, maybe this is like my <laughs> moment of just letting that go. I don't need to talk about the record button on Zoom anymore. It's been two years. It's not going away. It's going to be there. Period. You know why it started bothering me? <laughs> Since we're on the topic. It was because when we were teaching yoga, it was so distracting. Yeah. Super disruptive. Yeah. Or I'll be leading a meditation because yeah, I do a lot of like energy healing work and stuff. And if I hit, forget to hit record, it's always like, oh, yeah, it's like, and it's loud and you can't turn the volume down. And yeah, it's okay. I get it. I, I'm yeah. going to move on. I'm going to make a pact <laughs> that this is I'm putting out to the universe with this moment. This is the last time I am speaking about the record button. Something so small and it irritated the fuck out of me. Yeah, I get that. So your hair has gotten very long. Yeah, it's gone super, it's like, it's like so long. And a friend of mine is, um, she, I mean, she does hair. And so she was like, can I practice a blowout on you? And I was like, yeah, yeah it looks really healthy and beautiful and thank you soft and flowy and long yes all of those things yeah all of those things so I'm having this like interesting thing happen with my hair right now the part that you see this looks great it's curly the top layer I actually just stopped in to see my hairdresser um it's studio m in Charlestown West Virginia her name is Missy it's just that's not a I'm not sponsored but (laughs) if you're in town it's a beautiful boutique like she's got great stuff anyway I went in I'm like help me with this hair and she's like wow it really is like two different hair (laughs) like she's like I've never seen anything quite like this and I'm not a big product person but I'm going to try this product I'll let you know how it goes maybe I'll update everybody on the next time I roll Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here with Olivia Howard today, (laughs) by the way, we're going to talk about, we don't know what yet. Um, And that's what I actually just appreciate and love um, about Olivia is half the time we, when we do things together, we barely prepare. We just kind of show up and we look at each other and we're like, yep. And we just know like what we're going to do and the same and it's and when when I say we know what we're going to do we don't know but we just trust that it's gonna and I don't even know how we got into this place with each other so maybe we can talk about that a little because I'm like how did this even happen this way we don't see each other that much it's not like I spend a shit ton of time with you so there's some interesting like cosmic there's got to be something in our collective human design charts where we just like go poof and that that's why. And I need to probably look at that, figure out what that is. But Olivia and I met whoo, 2012. Does that sound right? Um, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this won't surprise anybody in a yoga studio. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I'm going to start saying this. I am now going to start telling you about people that I didn't meet in yoga because my life has changed from the yoga space. (laughs) And I'm finally meeting people not through yoga, but we met in the yoga room. Mm -hmm. I was her teacher for a while. We kept crossing paths, but didn't really like it was that Costa Rica trip that I think really just kind of brought us together went to Costa Rica in 2017, Mm -hmm. 2018. Yep. 2018. Mm -hmm. 2018. Um, I had the honor of training Olivia in yoga. Mm -hmm. 
did her yoga teacher training. She did, she chose to do it with me during the pandemic. It helped make the time go by and it actually really helped us all heal. I think in a time that would have otherwise felt probably even more awkward than it already was. Yes. She is, I'm probably not going to get all of this correct. So you're going to have to fill in the blank, but she's a beautiful writer. She's a gifted dancer. She is um, just somatically, and I'm going to say this, she's somatically delicious. (laughs) She is a goddess. She is a priestess. She is an energy healer. She is um, a sister. She is a friend. She is a daughter. She is a lover. She is just a beautiful, expansive human being. And I'm so excited to have her podcasting with me today. I'm so excited to be here. And those, that was beautiful. I'm going to have you introduce me all the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you are. No, I love that. I think also when we describe ourselves, we can be so quick to be like, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And you started with a lot of like, this is like the artist that Olivia is. And that's how all the rest of it. And that's, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Good. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I am excited you're here. Good. Well, if that made you feel great and that's the best thing that happens to you today, then I just, (laughs) I'm sure a million other things. No, then you did. I mean, I think there's always something to be said for people who know you for a long time and who know you well. Mm-hmm. And to just kind of be in that space of, oh, reminder of how we see each other, yep. you know? Yep. Absolutely. So also, also oh. I, well, I was just going to say astrologically, yes, you have a Virgo sun and I have a Virgo moon. Yeah. And that's part of our synergy. It's because like your external world and my internal world and my external world and your internal world, they're very like we, it's the same language. So there's, bizarre. I've never yeah, met anyone. I'm sure like it's this. not just that, but it's, it's, it's a Virgo. It's a, and it's true for anyone. If you have, somebody has your moon sign to your mm-hmm. sun sign, there's just a, a synergy that happens. Um, and I'm sure there are many other pieces, but that um, is one thing that always comes to mind for me. And you, is that, is that Virgo? Yeah, it probably is. And I'm not as well-versed in the astrology side of things as you are. So that makes a lot of sense though. Yeah. I love it. So give us your stats. You're a what, a what, and a what, and a what. What do you want to tell us? Um, I would say I'm a Magdalene priestess. I'm a psychic intuitive. I'm a Morgan witch. I'm a healer. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a dancer. Pretty much everything you said. Yeah. I'm a sister. What are your, what are your signs? You're a. Ah, I'm a Scorpio sun Mm -hmm. with an Aquarius rising and a Virgo moon. Yes. At zero degrees, which means I just barely escaped being a leo sun no offense to leos out there but a leo moon or a leo moon a leo moon yeah, yeah. is a, is a kind of challenging placement so i'm kind of i scooched and got the super earthy witchy virgo vibe which i love um i'm an enneagram six with a seven wing i am a manifesting generator with a sacral authority and a two four line two mm-hmm. four lines and then uh, I'm equally distributed between an ENFP and an INFP. That's I'm an amnivert. Wow. I'm an inch. I've taken the test. I mean, over time, I took the test, I want to say like four or an even number of times. Mm-hmm. And every time I would take it, I would equally get, you know, half the time I would get extrovert, half the time I would get introvert. Um, and I had a teacher in college who described that as an amnivert. And I really identify with that. Sometimes I recharge in connection and sometimes I recharge in solitude. I think that's probably my two, four line Yeah. also kind of coming out. So anyways, I think, I think I covered. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I covered and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So I, um, I just love knowing that how much of that plays a role into your everyday life. How much do you think about things like that? 
think a decent amount. I think that when I'm trying to make when I'm when I'm trying to make some sense of myself or I I, I look mm-hmm. at it as a tool. I look at them all as toolboxes and or tools in my toolbox. And um, you know, some of the people in my life that are most influential and in helping me understand myself also speak some mm-hmm. version of those languages. So like my mm-hmm. mom is very tapped into all of this. My best friend is really tapped into all of this. Um, a lot of my friends are. And so there is sort of this way that I can tap into those pieces and even understand, I think, my desire to over-intellectualize mm-hmm. um, or to think about it so much that I that I forget to, because as much as I'm, I'm, what did you call me? A, a somatic, what did you say? <laughs> deliciously, <laughs> somatically deliciously delicious. somatic. I said you're like, somatically I, delicious. Somatically delicious. Um, that's so much of my work is mm-hmm. to like, it's a teach what I need to learn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have these different placements, some that really want me to be up and airy and floaty and others that are like, no, we need to be super grounded. And so I find that that language can help me when I'm observing myself and can kind of help give me the tools to, or remind me of, of things about myself. Um, But I see it all less as prescriptive and more Mm. as uh, an opportunity to know myself more deeply and utilize that information yeah from that point yeah and not getting attached to it in any way shape or form yeah it's the hardest for me as a reader it's one of the hardest um pieces of the puzzle uh post reading with people particularly if they continue doing work with me is uh and I, I don't want to use the word not, but I'm going to use it just for lack of, just for communication purposes to have them not get attached to, oh, I'm a this. So this means that because it really doesn't, you gotta, you gotta look at the whole picture and it's mm-hmm. all got to come from a place of purpose. And just like, if it doesn't feel energetically in alignment. And I think that's, that's where I, you know, I use that word like somatic. Right. And I remember mm-hmm. in coach school that I just went through, we were talking about somatics and watching people's energy and, and, and observing emotions and all this kind of stuff. And it was the hardest piece of the puzzle for the people in the room, a lot of government employees, lots of higher education, very like structured people. And I'm like, all like, <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'm noticing your energy is here versus here. And it's just without attachment, without attachment to, oh, well, I'm responding or my energy is this way because I'm a, and I'm very not familiar with Enneagram, to be honest with you. But the, I remember, I'm going to use this as the example, a couple, and it probably still is hot, but I feel like we went through this really intense six month period of time where everybody was talking about Enneagram. Everyone's like, oh my God, you got to take the Enneagram and I'm an eight. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not (laughs) that. You are, this helps you understand pieces of you and some why, but if, if used incorrectly, then it just forms like another attachment anything Mm -hmm. in that in this world that we kind of dance in right Mm -hmm. you can form an attachment to this oh I am this and so therefore I I get to excuse behavior away yeah and so yeah yeah so I love that you said that they're just tools in your toolbox because it's really a um, for people who don't or haven't been spending as much time exploring all of these different arts and philosophies, it can become this like, oh, this moment of, holy shit, I now understand. And then they want to like hold that so tight as justification for why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, like watching you evolve over the past 10 years, like the less you held on to something as an identity, the more you became you. 
Mm. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. That the less, you know, what is it? That you only lose what you cling to. Isn't that yeah. Buddha? Yes. That we only lose what we cling to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we, this idea that as we release an over to parts of self, we actually body self yeah. more truly. Because we really are, right? We are, we can be defined, but we are, we contain multitudes. Like many things about us can be true at once. Yes. So like, you know? following this theme, right? Like my whole, the whole podcast is, you know, storytellers doesn't mm-hmm. have to be really a story per se, but like, how did all of this, like talk about your path to where you are now mm. and, and what fell away and was there like a significant like moment that got you here? Mm. Um, there are a couple that come to mind. I think uh, stepping onto a yoga mat for the first time, mm-hmm. and and I spent this summer we met um, just voraciously taking class um and and that established this anchor and I don't know if I realized it was an anchor but it really was continues to be like I can be 10 years later step back onto the mat refine those anchor points but I would say in terms of spirituality and kind of this stepping forward into this path it would be when my grandfather passed Mm. um he died in 2016, I believe. Yeah. Um, six years ago. And he, it was very um, unexpected. I ha- I was, you know, I, my mom had me super young. My grandparents were all like, he was 75. He was very healthy, very active. Um, he had had a heart attack. Um, and so he was on blood thinners, but general, generally just a very happy, uh, was, you know, chasing my sister on her bicycle at 75 and he passed, um, because he had gone body surfing with my cousins and he hit his head and had a concussion. And by the time they realized that's what was happening because he had been on blood thinners from the heart attack, he, it just, it it was just done. Like he was gone overnight, just Mm. completely, completely overnight. And with his passing, um, I just, my eyes just opened to this whole other realm that I had always felt and always been connected to, but he speaks to me. He spoke to me so there was just, and continues to be no doubt that it would be him. Like Mm -hmm. things that were just so impossible, like it, it was him, it is him. And that sort of opened this window with sort of him as this guide that he continues to be for me into stepping more fully into um, this intuitive psychic stuff um, that is deeply connected to the body and is deeply connected to all these different pieces. But I would say that there was, you know, yoga was a foundation and continues to be of this openness to a spirituality that I could really vibe with because um, I had a hard time in the Catholic church. I had a hard time getting on board with a lot of things that um, I was being taught and told. And so it was really, I know many people have this experience of stepping into yoga rooms and being like, oh, this is a spirituality that feels true. And, um, between that and then, you know, my grandfather's connection and guidance, it just sort of, it, it solidified, you know, you know, in Moana, you know, Moana, the yes. movie yes. and her grandmother passes away and then she comes back at, and, and they have this moment, like, I can't watch that moment without crying because that to me feels like the absolute depiction of what it has been like for me. Mm-hmm. To have my grandfather come back and be like, remember who you are. And then I'm like, right, this is who I am. And I, and that propels me forward um, and, and, has, and, has, and has offered a deepening. And then I would say probably the other tier of all of that has been the pandemic, which just fully stripped me away from the life that I had been living and 
earthed me back into my parents' home and was like, okay, now we're going to do teacher training. Now we're going to do priestess initiation. Now we're going to this weird stuff that you and your dad still have going on and kind of force the two of you to figure it out so you can have the relationship that you both really want to be able to have with each other. Like, and you're going to spend time with your sisters who are significantly younger than you and who you haven't lived in the same house with in 10 years, like all of these pieces. Um, so I, yeah, I would say those are kind of like one, I mean, there, there are many, right. But those are the, those are the three that come to mind. Yeah. I mean, there's always like these little pebbles along the road, like these tiny Mm -hmm. little steps, but that you can really look back and go, oh, this was, you know, I always point to my mother's passing as the first significant drop in for me to go, I'm going to go and pursue this and I'm going to do things differently. Right. And then, but I would probably even say before that there was probably something significant that I'm not even like thinking of right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I almost lost my life, like there, but there's several, but like, you can really go and look at these, just these moments that were bigger than a moment. They're like, um, a mega moment, right. Mm -hmm. In your life where you're like, you're like, you said, your eyes really open up your, it's almost like you just completely cracked open and everything's exposed and your insides are suddenly on your outside and you're looking at them and you're like, okay, I see you, I hear you. And I know that I need to do this next thing. And I, I, I wonder, and I'm curious, like, I know you won't have this answer, but like, I think about this conversation, I wonder how many people have this experience and then just choose to contract. Like, Mm like it's in the, these moments of contraction, right? Cause grief is very contracting. Like you feel like you just want to hole up. I remember when my dad died, I just was like pissed at every, like the yoga sutras didn't have the answer for me. I was mad at it all. Right. And you can stay mad and contracted, or you can go, no, right now I'm going to just expand. And mm-hmm. even the pandemic is another moment where we could have just contracted and gotten super small and been like, well, the world's shit right now. So I'm just going to be shitty, but instead you expanded. Mm -hmm. And I think the greatness in our world and our life is in contraction. If we choose to expand, then we really impact and find the big things. Yeah. Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Even if it looks like moving back into your childhood home and right, that's a, that's a huge expansion, right? I mean, who knows the impact? Yeah. And I I think that there's, you know, something that I've really been sitting with in the past, I would say even the past year, right? So I came home for two weeks in March of 2020. We're recording this in September of 2022. Mm -hmm. I have always been I was very driven. I mean, I still am these things, but like I built this big girl career in New York city and was just living this life. And I don't think I realized until I want to say it was about March or April of this year that I really, really realized that that part of my life is over. Mm. Not because, not because of anything that happened to me, but because of the choices that I'm making. However, the ego death that came with that um, was, was really, I, I, you know how, you know how it goes. You're like, I'm good. I've accepted this. And then you like get to a level. And I was just like, like to the point that my parents sat me down and they were like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, w- we feel like you're stalling out. Like what, what's happening here? Like, let's, let's look at it again together. Um, and that, but that, that was the P that, I mean, that was just this, I mean, talk about contraction and contraction and contraction and, and just this like attachment to all these ideas about my life and who I'm supposed to be. And sort of this, again, this like deeply, I won't ever say final ego death because I'm not going to throw that around. <laughs> get knocked on my ass next week never but say never never as, say as never. the great Justin Bieber says <laughs> right <laughs> um but there 
like contraction, contraction. And, and the choice, right, was to choose myself and to do it for me mm-hmm. and not because of what I, of what, how I think it looks or of what the me five years ago. As I turn 30 into because there's a, there's, there's work happening. There's a call happening. There's a lot of, um, like joy in what I'm doing and Mm. a sense of purpose that I never had in my work before. Yeah. So that feels valuable and important. Yeah. When you get to that it's almost like that that moment that you described with your parents sitting you down was like this, um, like friction point that had to like you had to have it so you could f- get the flame going again. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel very lucky and very honored and blessed to have parents who will sit me down when they feel that I'm not. And, and, and on the surface, nothing had changed. Like I was living my life the same way I had been living it six months previously. Um, but they were like, what's happening? And I was in such a place where, and you know, I talked about this with my therapist and she was like, I was like, I'm so grateful they said something to me. And she was like, well, I also am like, I think we need to acknowledge that even in a place of challenge, you were still open to hear it. Yes. Yeah. There was sort of this like, hey, like we see this. And, and there was a part of me that was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, oh, thank God. I'm not just like, like I'm, I'm seen and I'm witnessed and I'm loved. And I think that that's when we love people, truly love them. I think that that's something, again, that I'm, I'm very grateful for my parents. They've demonstrated to me my entire life. Mm-hmm. is that sometimes that love will look like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. What's happening with you? Like, how can we help you? Like what's going on? Like we want to support you, but like you aren't here. Mm-hmm. Where are you? And how can we help you come back? And um, what, cha- what changed for you after that? Um, I think just feeling really seen. Mm-hmm feeling really seen and letting myself be supported. And even in a place that felt a bit like failure, because I think that that's also what a lot of the rub of this time at home has felt like to kind of the egoic part of me is that I failed. Mm. That I'm, you know, like if you had told me five years ago, I'd be living in my parents' house, I would be like, did the world end? And I have to remind myself of that a lot. Like the world did kind of end and my world ended. Like I burned my old life to the ground. Like I was like, but it did. I mean, the world we know is it's not the same. It never will be again. No. Right. So I have to, I do have to remind myself of that too, is I'll be like, well, the world would have had to have end. And I was like, it did. Yeah. The world did end. And we changed and made different choices as a result of that. So it's, it's just this permission, I think, to be vulnerable and to be, you know, as the oldest and as, you know, I have a sister with significant special needs and just kind of like the ways that I've internalized that I always have to be the one that has it together Mm. to be so held and witnessed and kind of called out in a very loving way of being like, you don't have your shit together at all. (laughs) And we would like to help you get your shit together in a way that feels loving and compassionate um was was it it gave me permission to really see them and to be like okay how can I take care of myself better in this moment too Mm. so that's awesome was there anything specific going on that you know like what was holding you back what were you feeling what did you was there something that you wanted that you just were like afraid to do like what was it um i think there were a couple of things i had had some you know and you know in this work like i had had some challenging situations happen with clients that mm-hmm. kind of knocked out some of my confidence 
Um, and I also came to the end of a cycle where I had been supporting a lot of people in their work. So I had been mm. like a co-facilitator or a lead coach or somebody who was really like working with a vision that was paralleled to my own, um, but wasn't mine. Ah. And then kind of got to this point where all of that was stripped away and I I realized um, <laughs> how deeply embedded my own instinct is to abandon myself. Like I'll do the work if it's for somebody else. Even if I'm like, like, you know, my old ad tech job where to this day, what was I doing every day? I, I really couldn't tell you, but there was a kombucha machine. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> you know what kombucha. I mean? <laughs> There's a kombucha machine. <laughs> what was I doing every day? God only knows. But, you know there, there was this, this ease. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. well, I can just show up and it's somebody else's dream and it's somebody else's call. And like, how easy is that to just kind of do that? And, um, I really do think that with these pieces stripped away and I was handed this opportunity to be like, okay, well, now let's do it for you. Like, what's your vision? Like, what's your thing? Like, what do you want to do? I was like, <laughs> I'm not important enough for that. Yeah. So that's so interesting because part of being a Manny Jen, (laughs) we'll talk a little HD a little bit for a second is we love to work with other people and like we're meant to, right? Like we, we love Mm -hmm. that collaboration. Um, I can identify with so much of what you're saying. It's so much easier for me to go jump in bed with someone else and like get everything going because Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, cool. I, I, we feel wanted we feel valuable we feel like we're needed right and so that Mm -hmm. that meets all these like um manny jones have a lot of conditioning around that right like being liked and being included so it's it it Mm -hmm. feeds that Mm -hmm. and then that two line gets lost because we aren't listening to our own inner call, our own inner talents. And and then we have this like imposter syndrome thing going on of like, well, I can't possibly do this. And I, and I uh, actually, it's funny because I I had a coaching call earlier today and I was coached on this, right? Every time I launch masterclass, I go into this whole, like, oh, I, who am I? Like, I shouldn't be doing like, it's this, Um, and I have to like dig in and pull out, like, where did I let this conditioning in? Mm -hmm. Why did I let this in? And, oh, I see, I was focusing too much over here. And when you start to put all those puzzle pieces together, it's just so fascinating, like how, um, that does. And then, and then we get into this place of just kind of, um, I'm not going to say we stall or we get stuck, but you kind of get a little, complacent almost like almost Mm -hmm. like what am I going to do next Mm -hmm. even though inside it's going do this do this do this but it's like you're you're going but I can't possibly because look over here I had this experience and it's like we let this outside experience dictate the internal world instead of going back to that expansion moment where our guts are on the outside and we're like oh I Mm -hmm. see you I got you yeah oh for sure yeah, for sure. It's so fascinating. So when did you start this whole journey and of, um, talk to me a little bit about the priestess side of your work and what that's all about. I don't really know. And I would love to yeah. learn from you. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had found a couple of different spiritual like teachers and mentors um you know after my grandfather passed I found my way to like Marianne Williamson and Gabby Bernstein's work and I went to uh Gabby Bernstein used to do like a live event weekend and I like stumbled upon it on a Tuesday the event started on a Thursday I was like hey do you have scholarships and they were like hey yes we do and it was like a 20 minute walk from where I lived and I you know, and, and it was called spirit junkie masterclass. And it was just all about like being a spiritual entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met some really incredible people there who are still deeply influential in my life today. Um, I had, I found my first coach there. We did an embodiment, uh, six month one-on-one coaching together. Chelsea Quint is her name. We love Chelsea. Chelsea is 
incredible. Um, and I remember one of my first sessions with her, it was all virtual and I, we went into a meditation we came out of it and I like smiled at her and she was like, so what's with the mask? And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I was like, what? She was like, well, like you opened your eyes and up went the mask and what's that about? And it took me a long time, I think, to like understand what she meant because I see it now in people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure I still do it. Right. But these are, these are the seeds. Right. And so I start yeah. doing different, um, you know, masterminds and different things kind of finding my way through and somewhere in kind of all that cacophony, once you enter the spiritual entrepreneurship world, Marsha, I know you know this, like yes. everybody, everybody's got a thing and that's great. Like there's a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. And I would hear the word priestess and I would see, I would pull, you know, pull a card and it would be a priestess card. And, um, this woman that, you know, was coached by somebody that same as me was putting out a priestess program. And at the time I was like, that's fascinating. Like it, it, it activated something. Um, and then I found, uh, Mary Magdalene revealed by Megan Watterson, which is a book that basically talks about the truth of Mary Magdalene revealing a lot of what, um, it's a great book. Go read it. (laughs) Everyone should read Mary Magdalene revealed. Um, and that woke up a fire in me that woke up a like, Oh, this is why I never felt at home in the Catholic church. Like so much was left out, particularly around the stories of women and the importance of women in the early Christ movement, like all these pieces. And I was like, okay, love this, love her. This feels true. And then the pandemic happened, yoga teacher, you know, all these pieces. And then the same woman reoffers the priestess training. Um, Her name is Rebecca Ann. And I was like, okay, I I really think it's time. Like, I I think I couldn't, it was a very sacral authority moment that I was just like this. And that training, which sort of continues to this day, because I'm in a mentorship where I'm helping to train new people, all these things just blasted open this psychic intuitive ability that I have that I frankly believe we all have access to should we want to. Um, but it was sort of the, uh, it's this, I don't want to say spiritual cause the words are spiritual too, but it's sort of like, you know, there's a lot of conversation about divine feminine and divine masculine. And I mm-hmm. try to be really clear that when I talk about divine feminine and divine masculine, I'm talking about a solar energy versus a lunar energy. I'm talking about a yang energy versus a yin energy, right? And a lot of what we kind of consume and read and move through is this very divine masculine uh, or even toxic masculine, but mm-hmm. like push, push, no, no words, words, right? Versus this yin the dark spaces, the things that flow in between the depths of the waters, right? The things that we can't always put into words. And so the priestess isn't the only one that does this, but our work is in bridging the two. It's in bridging the humanity and the divinity. It's in connecting to the various realms, both kind of like out in the cosmos, but also in the earth, because there's a lot of earth wisdom that has been, um, bowled over or appropriated or kind of erased. Um, and so there's this, this reconnection to like divine mother and mine is really through storytelling and embodiment. And so learning the stories of the different divine feminines throughout history, um, looking at them as archetypes, as teachers and bringing those messages. Cause I believe they're all blueprints and roadmaps for us to connect and to kind of make sense of the world, Mm. which is um, true for all spiritual texts and teachings, I believe. Um, And so it's, it's bridging that and, and bringing kind of this element of divination, the element of, you know, psychic intuition for me is I'm very, I I mean, I, I see things, I see Mm -hmm. passed on loved ones. I see goddesses when I connect with them. Like it's a very, that's one of the things that happens for me. That's not true for everyone in their journey. But, um, and, and yeah, I believe that my work is to just help people reclaim their spiritual authority and autonomy through kind of normalizing things like psychic intuition, helping people develop it, helping people fill in the gaps of what was hidden from them in whatever upbringing they did or did not have. 
um, both kind of within a, a church institution or within themselves. Um, and that's my very long-winded answer to the priestess question. <laughs> so much. Uh, I, I could like almost dive on all those different nuggets and be like, let's have a like five hour conversation about <laughs> this. But the first thing that just really like hit me hard and I love the way that you um, detailed it out because I do think it's something that people just like we were talking earlier about like attaching ourselves to, oh, I'm a this and that's why this is this idea of feminine masculine energy and mm. what it really is. And it, it really brought me back to, um, you know, for all the years that I taught yoga teacher training and I'm, and, and I'm going to even like go back to like 2011. I'm like digging way back in my roots at this moment in time and teaching those topics then were so hard and so um, misunderstood. It was, it was, it was, I, I shouldn't say it was hard. It was challenging with the audience in front of me because the language seemed so male, female. They mm -hmm. didn't understand, like we hadn't yet and I say the we, and I'm sure there were people out there that were so, but in my little cocoon of Loudoun County, the men and women that were showing up in front of me were so disconnected from it being this lunar solar, even though that's how it was all being taught energy mm -hmm. that I've watched this evolution of people like really understanding the difference between the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So I just love how you, like that was just what kind of came over me was like, oh, so happy that we're all able to mm. speak about these things now without it being this weird, like, I mean, I was gonna say, you know, I mean, you were part of it, but it, it was this, and, 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 and again, I, I will say, I'm not saying that this is how it was everywhere, but in the, the um, place that I was planted by God in Loudoun mm -hmm. County, Virginia, to do the work that I'm supposed to be doing, it was like hard to teach yeah. things, right? And, and I don't know if it's changed at all in the yoga community, but at least I know in the world that I am, and maybe yeah, it's just because now I'm reflect, I'm pulling it all in because I'm reflecting it all mm -hmm. out and I'm getting the people that get it, but it just seems like more and more people understand that now mm -hmm. and are yeah. open to it. <clears throat> yeah. And I do think it comes from this, uh, this connection to a desire to see the world outside of the lens of black and white. Yeah. Right. Which is also like a trauma response. Like it is very much a trauma response. Like, and that's something I remind myself when things feel so absolute, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. how, where am I triggered? What's happening in my body? Why do I feel overwhelmed? Because I've switched from yeah. seeing the world as many things can be true at once to it's either this or it's this. Yes. Right. And so yes. I do think there's also this expanded capacity that people are having and desiring in their lives after such such trauma that we're all continuing to experience, yeah. right, as the after effects yeah. of the pandemic, that there is just this understanding of kind of complexity and our humanity and this desire to be expansive in how yeah. we're seeing the world. Um, we're also, you know, astrologically, we've switched from the Piscean age yeah. into the age of Aquarius and the yeah. age of Aquarius, you know, it's like the song, the age of Aquarius, but it really yeah. is Aquarius is a sign that it's really about radical thinking and revolution and yeah. expansion and Pisces, the era of Pisces was very much like order and structure and clarity and like all these very, and, and Aquarius is a little more contrarian, yeah. which, you know, when we're so conditioned to, you know, see things in one way or the other, as we all start to deconstruct and walk away from whatever it is we're choosing to walk away from, 
we start to open ourselves up to the in-between spaces mm-hmm. that are, that have always been there. They've always been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That black and white thinking. And I, it's, it is like the mind does a really great job when it's in fear-based mode to just keep you super, like mm-hmm. the mind does its job well. I mean, the yeah. mind is given to us to keep us safe. Right. Yeah. And it, in, in moments of great grief or great trauma to go back to this like very structured way of being is it's super safe and it's comfortable mm-hmm. and it keeps us like all cocooned up and but as we kind of started the whole conversation like in that contraction as you expand you actually start to see like oh I don't want to run into the t- trees while I'm skiing down this hill. I actually want to get to yeah. the bottom of the hill. So I got to see the in-between spaces. I've got to right. look at the gray. I got to look in between yeah. instead of looking at the things. Cause that's just going to keep pulling me right. towards them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're driving, I, I, I never wanted to drive. Like my dad literally was like, you're 18 years old. You're, you're not leaving my house without a driver's license. Like I do attribute that to my Enneagram six. And I, I was like, it's not that I'm scared of the car. I'm scared of everyone else's else. unpredictability. Yeah. Well, and so they, and even they, still, come on. And even like- still, but I, but I, yeah, there was a lot happening, but they put, my parents put me in like a, a defensive driving class. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they teach you is to look where you want the car to go, no. not where you're trying not to go. So if you're hydroplaning, look where you want the car to go. Yeah. Do your thing. If and and this is kind of sad and horrible, but like also if there's like a deer or a structure, not a structure, but like something yeah. in front of you, you're supposed to go faster towards the block so that way your car doesn't dip down and it doesn't go through your windshield, which is like so counterintuitive yeah. to the fence mechanisms that we have because the brain is like I don't want to run into that tree I don't want to run into that tree and it's like but if you keep looking at the tree you're gonna run into into the tree tree. you gotta look at the blank space you gotta speed up and meet the obstacle like that's but again that's us understanding how the fear mind works and being like great awesome but that's also the oldest part of us yeah right is that reptilian you know brain and so we have these prefrontal cortexes that are much more developed and much newer and and a little you know Mm -hmm. it makes it hard sometimes the body has a hard time trusting it because it's like you're very new to us evolutionarily like we don't know if we can trust you but it's like no don't look at the tree (laughs) stop looking at the tree tree. yes 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 yeah and and let yourself play in the gray and be soft and be slow Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's really fascinating more recently. I've had a, um, most of the work I do, as you know, is with women. And I do have a few, um, executive men that I'm coaching mm-hmm. and one of them is an engineer and very mm-hmm. structured. And another one's, a um, he, he runs a company. And it's interesting because he's very structured, but in a very different way. His is all in his beliefs around who he is. And the others is of what's possible. It's Mm -hmm. super fascinating to look at. Whereas Mm -hmm. all the women that I coach are working away from that and working more towards the spending their time outside of that black and white. So it's almost like, Mm -hmm. and I bring this up because these men want to get more to where these women are and these women that I'm working with for the most part, a lot of them I've been working with for many months are coming because they just intuitively knew that they didn't want to play in the black and white anymore. Yeah. Like corporate America wants us to, right? Oh yeah. So there's this, I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm connecting so many conversations that I've even just been having over the past week with everything that we're like talking about today and how it all just is like, just thematically we're on this. um, And I think we've been on the crux of it for a while, but we're, we are moving so far away from wanting it, everything to be so structured do you, so I'm mm-hmm. going to take us way back do you remember when I first started teaching master class and I was like oh make it your own and do your thing and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be structured and I and I had 
people around me who are like, no, 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 you need to give them a plan and you need to show them this. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like everyone needs to customize this. And I just knew inside that that was the right thing to do. Right. And even with teaching yoga, like all the years that I taught, I was like, can't fit put people in boxes. Like Mm -hmm. don't tell someone that their foot should be at this, like your foot might not work that way. And, Mm -hmm. and now I feel like, and, and it also could be, I feel this way because now social media is way more prevalent. And so we're hearing from more people, but like everyone's now speaking this way about like what yoga should look like and it shouldn't be a prescription mm-hmm. and everyone shouldn't look the same way. And it's just so fascinating how it's that, that I feel like there's this collective like rise up that mm-hmm. As human beings, yes, we, we crave routine and we crave habits, right. To keep us, cause it's what we're supposed to do, but yours should look different than mine. And mine should look different than the person sitting next to me. And there probably will be a little bit of overlap, but I don't know. So your painting of your picture of how you got to where you are and the work that you're doing, it seems very just important in this moment. It's very, I'm struck as you're talking about the the connection and the parallel Mm -hmm. to the divine feminine, like everything that you're describing to me of this welcoming in of the in-between spaces of this looking in a room and realizing that every like we have a structure right of a pose that's our divine masculine it's like okay we're going to do a warrior two pose but the divine feminine is the piece that's like and it's going to look different on every single person's Mm -hmm. body yes and so i'm going to focus on this is what it may feel like Mm -hmm. this is what it might look like Mm -hmm. if there's pain something is wrong, Wrong. adjust for your body, but that these are the ways that we're approaching it. And, and we're moving out of, cause a lot of what we've been conditioned into is a very toxic masculine is a, I must go, I must do, I must so much so that we like disassociate from our bodies. We're running ourselves into the ground. Mm -hmm. Some of which is like institutionally reinforced, right? Yes. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is like literally impossible. You right. cannot do that, right? right? But this is the metaphor. And there's so many people in situations where they have no choice but to grind and to hustle and, you know, to try to make it. And there's this parallel happening of this awakening again of this, like many things can be true at once. Yeah. So, oh, you just said the word grind. So mm-hmm. I am going to use this as an example because earlier today I had, again, I was working on this coaching call and he said, I said, well, how does it feel if you're over here doing the things that you want? He said, fun and love. And I was like, and what's over here? He's like, grind, right? Because he was talking about mm-hmm. work. And the only way he in the moment could see fun and love was to completely quit his job. Mm. like that was it it was it was so black and white right you couldn't mm-hmm. be both places at once and I was like well what mm-hmm. if you could be here and here what would that tiny mm-hmm. little shift look like and that's where we got to get into these in-between spaces it's not all mm-hmm. or nothing you can have all of it and I think you said this earlier you everything can it all can be true at the same time we can have mm-hmm. it all at the same time you can have your work that you love and it might feel like a grind, but you know that it's for a purpose and still have this love and this fun. And it was interesting because when I was asking like, what does that feel like in your body? Right. The fun and the love just felt uplifting and like Mm -hmm. light and everything. And I was like, well, how could that like Mm -hmm. serve then when you have to go in for the grind? It's so people, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. disassociate because Mm -hmm. so much of our culture does ask us to be in that grind mm-hmm. and to be working so hard and pushing ourselves. We have ancient bodies living in like our technology has not updated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't, we aren't like, you can't put a, you know, a chip in and go and update now. Yeah. Right. Our code is old and we are trying to live these new 
age experiences that are unrealistic. Even I would venture to guess, and I say this all the time to people, I'm like, I would venture to guess even the people that are saying that they're doing these things aren't really doing these things. They're saying it to sell books. They're saying it to sell programs. They're saying it to sell something to us, like this idea of what we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And if you really were to strip it back, it's in this like beautiful, I used, I keep using the word soft and I don't know why, but like, that's what it feels like. The gray mm-hmm. feels like this light, fluffy, soft space mm-hmm. and you can do whatever, what you want with it in there. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, and it's because I think it's a process of softening. Mm-hmm. I think that to be in the black and white, we have to harden ourselves because we are, it is our nature, like when we are safe and held and grounded to be soft. Yeah. That doesn't mean we aren't powerful. It doesn't mean we aren't strong. It doesn't mean we don't hold our own, right? Mm-hmm. It, it means that it, if anything, rigidity is what leads to snapping. If we're so rigid and it has to be black and it has to be white and there's no gray space, that's when we snap. Right. Not when we give and we have some flow and we have some space to breathe and we soften, right? That's, and that's our humanity. Mm -hmm. That softness is our nature. It's our birthright. It's who we are. And so no wonder we all feel so alien so often when we're in the grind or when we're, you know, in these extremes, it's because again, that's our, that's our trauma response. We're not supposed to live there all the time. Right. That's emergency use only. <laughs> right. Like you don't take out your fire extinguisher and just, you know, have it go around your house 24 seven. Like that would be a mess and a nightmare, but that's what's happening in a lot of our bodies is yeah. we're stuck, you know? Yeah. yeah. Remember the brain was put there to be like, oh shit, there's an animal coming after me. I got to run. Right. Like I got to yeah. go. Yeah. And we live like that most of the time. So yeah, I'm going to make a bold statement and I would love to hear you respond to this. Do you think the pandemic saved you from yourself? Oh yeah. I, I think, um, I think it was one of those lightning bolt moments. And I think I always really want to acknowledge like the level of privilege in that in yeah. that the way that it impacted me was uh, that it saved me. And that I know for so many people that that yeah. is true. And for so many others, that's not. Yeah. And so I think there's a complexity. And in the same way that, you know, as weirdly morbid as it might sound, my grandfather's passing saved me. Stepping mm-hmm. on a yoga mat saved me. Stumbling across an Instagram post that somebody was like, Mary Magdalene revealed. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I need it. Saved me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, these are all pieces that that allow that have saved me and I think gave me hmm, the opportunities to save myself. Uh. and the opportunities to choose because it, it would have been, hmm, I don't think it would have been easy. But I think that there's a version of myself that would have just re-enrolled in ad tech, moved back to New York. I mean, all my, the majority of my friends were able to find jobs, you know, because our company closed because we were travel. But otherwise, it was a great time to be in in travel ad tech, or it was a good time to be working online at the start of the pandemic. Like that was kind of the only job security, unless you were in, in the travel sphere. Um, yeah. And so all my friends found new jobs within a month, you know, and, and I could have done that, but I just knew that I wasn't going to. And that yeah. was a choice that I made. It was a choice. So that's the, that is the, the key to the saving, right. Is the choice mm-hmm. that you decided to let something die, to let mm-hmm. something literally go. Um, one was actually a physical death, right? Unfortunately, yeah. with the passing of your grandfather. The other was the world. And then all those other moments. And it's funny, I was just having this conversation at lunch 
today is that we absolutely make the choice because it could have been so easy, right? Like you're saying to be like, my heart is pulling me to go do all these things, but I'm just going to still choose to stay right here Mm -hmm. and keep doing what I was doing because it's a safe route. If there is anything such thing as the safe route, but the risk that you took was hunkering down at home mm-hmm. and choosing to bet on yourself mm-hmm. and, and to meet myself, Yeah, which is uh, not always fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a Scorpio, death and rebirth is kind of our thing. You'd think yeah. at a certain point, again, it's like, you're like, eh. It's, it's like, oh no, it's like what, it's like that, that kind of, I think it's a slightly horrible adage in like a fitness space where like, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. And sometimes I'm like, vom, but then I'm also like, but that is true. Like it's true. So many air there's, there's truth in that. Like it doesn't necessarily, but if anything, it's like, you're like, okay, you want to go deep? Well, you healed that. All right. We can go deeper. And that's what oh. happens in the body, right? Cause the body yeah. carries the trauma until we're ready to look at it. And then you're like, oh, I feel so great. Everything's great. And then it's like, oh, re- repressed memory. Oh, old wound is, yeah. is surfacing because I finally can listen to it now. Like, I feel like that I got steamrolled a little bit by all this stuff that had been waiting yeah. for me to look at it. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was, it was and continues to be, as Glennon Doyle says, beautiful, but brutal, brutal. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, it's all of the things Mm -hmm. and the, and not separating it into good, bad, or I like it on this side better than I like it on this side. It's, it's like just holding it in your hand and just watching it all play out at the same time. It's like, you know, um, when like in cartoons or even like the superhero movies where they have like the, the orb and it's like, hovering in their hand like that's what I imagine yeah. like we're doing all the time and we're just looking at it and it's good it's great it's not mm-hmm. good it's oh I don't want to look at that right now but I'm gonna look because I need to look and yeah just the fact that you chose to dive in and just like like it's almost like you just jumped you let yourself just jump into the deep end of the pool and sink and then you just have been just kind of swimming out and you had, you had oxygen, but you're just yeah. like slowly just swam out and it like emerged this like yeah. version of you. That's just been waiting to be seen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, that metaphor makes me very teary because my grandfather was the one who taught us all how to swim. And one of the things that I felt and kind of like, I think I even like wrote about it at one point that I was like, you know, grief comes in waves, but luckily for us, he taught us how to swim Swim. Mm. and that, that feels very, I don't know, that metaphor just like really, really hit that, that even in that darkness and even in that uncertainty that there, I think this, I know this is true for all of us that we're constantly surrounded. Yeah. Whether it's by human people or, you know, the message you hear on a random podcast that you decided to hit play on, on a Tuesday morning or passed on loved ones from the other side, like, the universe is conspiring to support us always. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. And you don't ever have to ask for to see it because it's always just sitting right there in front of you. You just got to open yeah, your, you your heart to yeah. it. Yeah. You just yeah. have to be like, I want to see it. And then you will. And then it'll probably be a little creepy because you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I asked for a sign and I got one and now I'm a little unsettled. And also it's great. <laughs> and by the way, that was cool. Let me try this again. Yeah, exactly. Let yeah. me just keep doing it. Yeah. So if you wanted to leave this conversation, which is any words of wisdom or anything that's on your heart right now in this moment, what, what might that be? Mm, I think it would be to Uh, to like be an invitation to be brave enough to love yourself and to know that that bravery will look sometimes like crying yourself to sleep for three nights in a row and will sometimes look like making a choice that isn't um the choice you thought you were going to make for your life 
but I, I just keep getting this recurring reminder that I am worth it. You are worth it. We are worth it to choose ourselves and to listen to that voice that lives within and to make choices that honor that part of ourselves. Um, because even when it doesn't make sense and even when it makes things hard and even when like all the money's out of your bank account, cause you listen to your freaking self and you're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> any day now, right? Like that, but at the end of the day, like that refusal to abandon yourself um, is just what changes everything. Hmm. So choose yourself every time. Well, I'm not going to say anything else to muck that up. <laughs> thank you for being here with me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Thanks everybody love- for tuning in. I love you. Yeah. Um, you guys know the drill. Let me know how you love this episode welcome back for season four and you guys go do what you do best and be magical and i'll talk to y'all soon well hey guys thanks so much for joining us and listening and tuning in wherever you are listening to your podcast keep on listening sharing enjoying and hey follow us on social media instagram is msh underscore shift you can also follow me marcia m-a-r-c-i-a underscore hines h-o-f-f-h-e-i-n-s you can also find us on the book and join our makeshift tapping group it's a public open group we share goodies and information. Um, visit my website, marshallhoffines.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And we'll just keep you full of all the goodies. All of them. All the time. Talk to you soon.